Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Panthers Pod, part of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network, where you'll find analysis, news, notes, and more about the Bay Area Panthers of the Indoor Football League. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Grandy and Evan Giddings. And welcome into another edition of the Bay Area Panthers Pod, part of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. My name is Mark Grandy, Evan Giddings here with me as always. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Bay Area Panthers Pod once again here on 95.7 The Game. Panthers season uh, still in its uh, young stages, a couple of games in. We're through three weeks of the IFL season. The Panthers have played two games. They were off week one. They will be off again week four, so just two games out of the first four possible weeks for the Bay Area Panthers. And Evan, after these two games, the Panthers come in at 1-1. One and one. Of course, it was a thrilling one-point win for the Panthers on opening night about a week and a half ago against the Arizona Rattlers, who were the number one team in the IFL coaches poll at that point. And then the Panthers, they travel far out east, take on the Massachusetts Pirates, who won the IFL title just a couple of years ago. They're a very quality team. They were playing with a backup quarterback, but it was a a tough loss for the Panthers out in Massachusetts. Evan, all things considered, one and one after two games against two of the better teams in the league. Of course, you want to be 2-0, Evan, and I know we'll dive into the specifics of the game in Massachusetts. But all in all, two weeks in, Evan, uh, one and one is nothing to be upset about if, if you're the Bay Area Panthers. No, absolutely not. Like you're taking on the team that was projected in the preseason poll to finish in first. You were projected to finish in second. You beat them. And then you make arguably your toughest road trip of the year all the way to Massachusetts in that second week. And Mark, at one and one, yes, I know you're 500 after two weeks. And like you said, it's still the infancy of the season. But most importantly, you're one and oh in your conference. And that is what is going to decide, of course, whether or not you get into the playoffs after the totality of this season. And I also think just from the start, it is very clear that the Bay Area Panthers are reformed, are reshaped. I know we talked to head coach Darren Arbett prior to the season starting, uh, and he wasn't lying. Like it, it was not false advertisement about this team as it comes to the coaching staff, the quarterback position, running backs, position players, defense, all of it looks night and day different from where it did last year. And of course, you were on the call for that one-point victory over Arizona at home. I know it was a single-score defeat at the hands of Massachusetts in Week 2, but being able to see it both you know, on a screen on YouTube last week and then real live in person at the SAP Center in Week 1, this team jumps off of the 50-yard field in a way that I did not see the Panthers at any point last season, even in their one win at the beginning of the year, do so. They really do. It was a 59-52 loss in Massachusetts against the Pirates for the Bay Area Panthers. It was a back-and-forth game. Uh, let's just dive into what happened out there in Mass, Evan. Uh, I want to focus for a second on the first play because you mentioned 
the 40 or the 40 that is, excuse me the Bay Area Panthers jump off the field jump off the field and when you watch them on tape they jump off the tape first play from scrimmage for the Bay Area Panthers uh it was after Massachusetts uh had a, a possession and, and they got a field goal the Bay Area Panthers first play from scrimmage it was a pitch from Dalton Sneed to Arthur Jackson the third who then threw the ball to a wide open uh, Dilworth down the sideline and he just couldn't quite hook up. But it was a trick play out of the gates for the Bay Area Panthers, not saying that was something that they were unwilling to try last year, but we didn't see too much trickeration from the Panthers. We saw week one, uh, they attempted an onside kick. It didn't work. They attempted another onside kick uh, in this most recent game against the Pirates. This is a team who's ready and willing to try to pull out all the stops to get a victory. And they pulled off a bit of a trick play. Of course, it didn't work. It was incomplete, but the receiver was wide open. And if they hook up, he would have walked in for a touchdown. Dilworth would have. So just early on, early observations from that game, that stood out to me. This offense specifically led by, of course, head coach Darren Arbett and offensive coordinator Dixie Wooten, uh, they are willing to, to try some trickeration. To, to get a leg up on their opponents. It didn't quite work in this instance, but I like to see those sorts of things. Yeah, I mean, o- over the course of the game, I do think their aggression and creativity, if you want to call it, it did work, and it was reflected in the box score. I know it wasn't reflected ultimately on the scoreboard, which is what matters, but Barry Panther won time of possession. They had more first downs. They outpaced Massachusetts in rushing by 80 yards. They out through them, through the air by 20 yards. They had a total offense that was nearly, or pardon me, was over 100 yards more than their opposing team. Like that is generally a key to success and winning. The difference was as we dive deeper, you know, maybe some inopportune plays being backed up on their own side of the field. And so, you know, turnovers, I know they're able to force another and they also gave one back and special teams. I mean, those are kind of the the two areas I think that hurt Bay Area against Massachusetts, that they were very good against Arizona, especially in that second half. And I mean, they also had the lead at the half. They they had a chance to come out of the gates in in the second half and potentially go up by double digits. That's where, unfortunately, the turnover happened by putting the ball on the ground. And then, of course, Massachusetts goes down and score, and then it's a back-and-forth game. And so we know and I'm sure fans that follow this podcast as well as follow the IFL game know that a player two here or there can change the story of the game, and that's what happened for the Panthers, not to the extent like we saw last season where a couple of plays opened the floodgates for the opposition to come in and just pummel Bay Area, but in this case, it was the difference between a touchdown and a one-score loss because Bay Area also had the chance at the end of the game potentially to go down and tie or maybe even take the lead and win. Um, But it didn't work out that way. But what I take away from these first two games is if you're looking at, you know, the best competition, potentially Arizona, and maybe even the best team in the East, Massachusetts, who won the IFL championship two seasons ago, you have been in both of these games and you won one, but you had a chance to win another. Like, that's all you really can ask for. And so I think the box score reflected to me maybe where the Panthers had their advantages may or may not have let one slip by. But again, it's early in the season. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, going back to the, the trickeration for a second, it, it's not like this is a an extremely common thing for the Panthers either. I like that they have those things in their playbook and they're willing to take those chances. But 
For the most part, Evan, this was a relatively vanilla offensive attack, and that's not uh, a knock. I'm not trying to be dis- you know, discouraging at all. It's you know because a lot of their bread and butter plays were working. I mean, this team ran the ball 25 times, 24 between Justin Rankin, the, the new running back for the Panthers, and quarterback Dalton Sneed. 25 carries in total, 130 yards, and five touchdowns. It's over five yards a pop on the ground. And most of those plays, I don't I didn't tally it up as I was watching. I have to go back and look. But it seemed like most of those plays were either that quick pitch, the quick toss to Rankin, either left or right, and he was able to get yards out of that. Or it was the zone read where Dalton Sneed has the option to either hand it off to Rankin or keep it himself and gain yards and Massachusetts proved Evan time and time again, they could not stop that play. Again, the average was about five yards per carry. There were some examples and, and in some really important moments where the Panthers did go backwards on the ground. And we'll get to that as as that was part of the reason they lost this game, but there were a lot of long chunk plays on the ground as well that either went for scores or led to scores. Um, so this Panthers team showing a willingness to to bring out some trick plays, but also sticking with some simple moves, some simple plays that were working. I mean, why would you go against them if they weren't working? And it was the ground attack in Massachusetts. And it's something that I think is lost in the indoor game a little bit. It is the reliance on the run game, like in outdoor football. And the Panthers showed, hey, we can put up some points using the run game. Now, of course, they were still prolific through the air. That's going to happen in the IFL. But over 100 yards on the ground, almost split evenly between two different ball carriers, that was impressive. I was really impressed with the Panthers' efforts on the ground. Yeah, and I think that also showed, you know, kind of pushing Massachusetts maybe back on its heels and and forcing them to respect the run, I think opened up the pass, and, and in particular, Mark, at the, the tail end of the first half, which is really where Bay Area sort of made its run, and, and, and at least from what I was watching, established control of the game in, until the beginning of the second half because, you know, you go in to the end of the first quarter, you know, you're looking at a nine-point deficit, and you hang 31 points on them in the second quarter. You know, you're, you're looking at four scores and a field goal, and a lot of that, I think, is because of the balance that we've seen thus far. And, and, and as far as the you know, the creativity from the play calling of Dixie Wooten, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of zone reads, which isn't necessarily out of, you know, the, the offensive playbook, but, but we're seeing yeah. stuff like speed options. We're, we're seeing pitches. We're seeing both horizontal and of course, inside the tackles running schemes from this Bay area team. And all of it, of course, goes through Justin Rankin, who last year led the IFL in touchdowns for Frisco was arguably their biggest off season acquisition outside of perhaps the head coach. Um, you know, so I, I think the Panthers so far have, have been able to establish an identity without necessarily needing to, you know, dive deep into their pocket all the time. Like, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that their offense doesn't feel desperate. Like, they're, they're not trying to get creative because they have to. It's more of an option for them that can spread out the the opposing team and in this case Massachusetts. So, you know, I I thought Dalton Sneed was was pretty damn good throwing the ball. Has looked good through two weeks. Justin Rankin, even though his numbers haven't been ungodly like like they were in Frisco so far, 
I think he's kind of that that fence bender for this offense that really tests to see the physicality of both the Rattlers and then of course the Pirates. Um, and if he's able to, you know, punch down that that wall, that fence, like then everyone else gets to eat. And I think that's where we're seeing Dalton Sneed then, you know, be able to kind of do his thing. And and he's he's a physical quarterback as well as he runs like a running back too. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, this team right now has a lot going for it. And I think in that Massachusetts game, I, I I saw them be able to do pretty much whatever they wanted offensively. It was just a matter of those kind of couple of plays on uh, turning over the ball and on special teams that did them in. Yeah, fence bender. I, I like that for Justin Rankin. You mentioned Dalton Sneed. You could also make a case that that's the way Dalton Sneed runs. I mean, the number like of times... Battering, he, well, both of them are like battering rams, but... You're right. I mean, the number of times he would lower his shoulder... Even sometimes it, it was to gain the first down, but even on times where he was well beyond the first down line already, lower his shoulder, gain an extra two yards, he would pop up, point first down, he'd, he'd be fired up. Uh, you love to see that from your quarterback. Of course, you hope no injuries because Dalton Sneed has proven himself already very valuable for this team. Um, but yeah, you love to see that from him as well. You also mentioned some of the pitches and some of the more creative run plays, the options and, and things more than just the zone read. Now there is a flip side to that because early in the second half, after this team closed the half really well, you're right. I mean, they had the, the touchdown, interception, get the ball back, field goal, a quick 10-0 run to end the first half. They go into halftime with a lead. They won the toss and deferred to the second half. They get the ball back. They move the ball all the way down the field. They have it at the Massachusetts 10-yard line. And then they try a little bit of, not, not trickeration, but a little bit of an exotic run play. It was a pitch out to wide receiver JT Stokes out to the right. It was just barely a backwards pass, meaning it's a live ball. Stokes can't quite grab it. The toss wasn't perfectly accurate. Massachusetts falls on it. That's a turnover. And that was the first big mistake by the Panthers on offense in this game. So a lot of the good, you know, we talked about the, the run game, the creative play calling, uh, but there is a bit of a flip side. You take some of those chances on more of those exotic plays, and you're probably going to have a mistake like that pop up every so often. It did early in the second half, and and that was one of the key plays for the Massachusetts defense because they needed a couple of stops in the second half to win the game. And they got him, and that was one of the big ones. Yeah, I think with Massachusetts, you also saw a group that is played together for quite a while, and that was a similar theme to Arizona, also. And so the fact that Bay Area, who is uh, like a lot of them, came from either Northern Arizona with Rob Keefe as the defensive coordinator, assistant head coach, or of course Dixie Wooten who came from Tucson. So they are bringing some continuity with them, but obviously you need to piece all of that together. And that's where head coach Darren Arbett has, you know, had a, had a, a long history of being able to do that at a high level. Um, you know, and, and maybe that's a situation where, you know, Sneed and Rankin aren't necessarily on the same page. I was also, you know, kind of watching the rest of the IFL, um, a couple of clips from this weekend. And, you know, the, the speed option isn't something you typically tend to see, I think, just because of how small the field is. Yeah. And you can really only run it to the, the strong side. So if you're on the opposite hash mark, you kind of run it to the open part of the field where you're able to get both of those wide receivers, skill players in motion, get some blocks downfield, and then hopefully Rankin can 
kind of create. I, I've typically seen him, Mark, and I think this is kind of what got him in trouble maybe a little bit on that play is, you know, we've, we've seen him reverse field quite a bit. <laughs> and, and Rankin is a very patient, physical, and intelligent runner. But maybe that's where, like, you're talking about the opposite side of the coin lands on tails when you're looking for heads because we certainly saw him in week one put together one of the more ridiculous, uh, you know, 20 yard to go six yard runs, Barry Sanders esque running back around <laughs> the line of scrimmage, and he scored on it and it was great. But this past week against Massachusetts, it unfortunately came back to bite him and also proved to be the difference in the game when you look at the end and uh, the scoreboard at the end. Yeah, lessons learned for sure. And I mean, you know, we make these observations. There's probably a thousand more things that the coaching staff is noticing that they're taking into account and and they're learning from every play and from every snap, from every rep. And and they're going to use it, of course, to, to try to get better as as the weeks and the games move along. I do uh, expect I fast- that aggression, though. I, I do expect that aggression to continue. I mean, it's you know, you learn from your mistakes, obviously, but I, I still expect whether it's that play call or that situation yeah. for the Panthers and Dixie Wooten to continue to do what's been working. I mean, you, you fumble the ball, you fumble the ball, but maybe it turns into a touchdown if you don't. You never know. Yeah, true. Well, we're reacting to the uh, Bay Area Panthers week three, the Panthers second law second game, their loss at Massachusetts 59 52 from this past weekend. You're listening to the Bay Area Panthers pod part of the 95, seven, the game podcast network. My name is Mark Randy, Evan Giddings here with me as well. Of course, uh, I want to fast forward to the fourth quarter here for a minute, Evan, um, because we just talked about the, you know, the unfortunate fumble at the beginning of the third quarter. The rest of the quarter was back and forth. You go into the fourth quarter tied. Panthers have the ball, uh, and they faced a fourth and two from their own 13-yard line. And I think up to this point, the biggest play of the game. Uh, Panthers needed to get this first down because if you don't, it's almost assuredly going to be a touchdown for Massachusetts. And what do they do? You're, You're talking about the aggression, Evan. What do they do? Huck it deep. Go for it all in fourth and two. And uh, it was an incredible diving catch by JT Stokes, who's developing quite a connection already with Dalton Sneed. He had three touchdowns in the game against Massachusetts. He was fantastic. A diving catch. Uh, the Pirates of Massachusetts challenged the play, thinking that he did not get his hands underneath that ball before it hit the turf. The call stood. Uh, it was a touchdown. JT Stokes and, and Dalton Sneed hook up for the moment, giving the Panthers a lead uh, on a huge play, a huge play, fourth and two, and and you go all the way to the end zone from your own 13-yard line. That was a gigantic play, and I know still the, the Panthers did not did not come out on top in this game, uh, but that was almost a do-or-die play, Evan, and, and they were able to, to work it out and to execute well and, and to get it done to have the guts to make that play call on fourth and two, something that stood out to me because I was not expecting it. I was expecting maybe a, a read option, zone option. Dalton Sneed gets a couple of yards on the ground. The drive continues, but no, they went for it all and it worked out. Yeah, look, JT Stokes has been a guy that is easy to keep your eyes on because <laughs> whether he's breaking off five-yard outs or, or taking the ball deep down the field, um, this is a guy that is extremely explosive. And, and I know that he was advertised as such, spent time with Arizona last year, was was kind of banged up two years before in his rookie season. I believe he led the IFL in yards per catch. Um, so he has a history of being a deep threat. 
but he also is able to, you know, kind of take advantage of, of his speed and, and break things off in the intermediary areas. But as far as that play is concerned, Mark, I mean, I, I don't know if you want to start calling him JT smokes because like this guy has just got <laughs> just rubber, you know, burning off the bottom of his cleats and, these defensive backs in the IFL have to be on notice for what this guy brings to the table. Also credit to Dalton Sneed for having the guts to throw that ball because again, yeah. you're backed up inside your own five. Like if you don't get that completion and he only needed two yards, uh, you're pretty much gifting them either a touchdown or a field goal. You are giving the, the opposing team points and it was a single score game. So, you know, for JT Stokes to be able to make that type of also athletic catch going to the ground, keeping it off the turf, and even with a challenge from the other side, unequivocally making that grab, uh, that was one of the best plays that, that we've seen in the IFL so far this season. And uh, you, uh, you just heard maybe a motorcycle or a, you know, a car in the background <laughs> revving its engine. That might have been JT Stokes. Like that, That's how fast he is. And that was an, an extremely impressive play. And, and I think it also shows a different dynamic to this offense, which is they can take the top off as much as try to wear you down with that running game. Yeah, Stokes, six catches, 95 yards, three touchdowns. The, the long went for 36 yards uh, and a score, of course. We're, we're talking about that play right now. Really impressive uh, for the Panthers, Dalton Sneed and, and JT Stokes. Uh, one other area, I think, where this game was lost, potentially, for the Panthers, um, it was special teams. They gave up a, a kickoff return for a touchdown in this game early in the first half. And then the other thing that led to a big stop defensively for Massachusetts in the fourth quarter, Evan was their kickoff game. Josh Gable, their kicker is inexperienced and a, a good kicker and has, you know, done a lot in his career, kicking, kicking footballs. And he has seemed to, to master the IFL kickoff where he takes the ball, say on the, the far corner. If, if you're watching from the sideline, say the back, the back, corner far corner and he kicks it diagonally towards the near sideline and he wants to bounce it and kind of get it pinned up against the wall but in the field of play before it goes into the end zone and because the ball is coming diagonally it has to travel a further distance and it's bouncing around and it takes some time getting down there and it's difficult to pick up it allows your kick you know defense team to get down there and either put pressure on the Panthers to to recover it or at, at the very least make sure that whoever is returning it has nowhere to go. And that's what happened multiple times in this game. But specifically, after Massachusetts tied the game at 52 about midway through the fourth quarter, and it eventually led to a Panthers turnover on downs because they were so backed up, uh, what, at their own five-yard line. It was difficult to get out of there with the little room that they had. So um, I'm sure that head coach Darren Arbed and, and Dixie Wooten and even Rob Keefe on the defensive side of things are looking at special teams, their kick coverage, and also their return team, because that is a big area where this game turned as well. Yeah, I'm with you. If you look at those last three drives for the Panthers, you start, as you mentioned, on your own five, you start on your 12 and you start on your six. And that's where the final drive with 433 that eventually turned into a turnover on downs finished. And I don't think it's a coincidence that when they started on their five, as well as their six, they turned the ball over on downs. When they started at their 12, they were able to turn that into a touchdown. You go back earlier in the game when they started inside their own 
10, they were not very successful. I mean, their, their first possession of the game, they began at their own four field goal attempt. And, you know, later on in the game, I know that they were able to use their kickoff return to create some, you know, plus side of the field spots. And I know that the only turnover that they had was after they got the ball at the 20, but you're absolutely right. Like Gable in that Massachusetts kicking game was instrumental in their win. And and maybe also a reason why the statistics were a little bit lopsided in favor of the yeah. Panthers because they had more yards to gain, but you just make things more difficult and you give your defense more chances than when you're able to pin oppositions back. And, and that was something we even saw Bay area, not, on its own special teams returning, but maybe on the kickoff team against Arizona struggle a little bit. There were a lot of Rattlers possessions and drives that began beyond the 15, beyond the 20. And that's just simply not going to help you win football games. If you are able to use your kicking game to pin your opponents like the pirates back, you're going to have a better chance of getting stops or forcing turnovers or forcing, you know, long field goal kicks or or even not not a punt, but there was a possession yeah. in the game in which Massachusetts essentially punted by kicking from inside their own 10, kicking it out of bounds and giving it back to Bay Area. So those type of finishes to drives are much more likely if you can on the kickoff just simply set yourself up for success, which is what Massachusetts did and to your point is a big reason why they won. Yeah, and if, if you happen to miss the end of the game, after that kickoff that pinned the Panthers down at their own five, they did not get a first down. They turn it over on downs, and the Pirates immediately turn that into the go-ahead touchdown. They take a, a seven-point lead. Panthers get the ball back. Again, another well-executed kick, and the Panthers can't go down and, and get a score. They do move the ball a bit. They they get out of the shadow of their own end zone, but they, they can't get in the end zone. Turn it over on downs again for the, the second straight possession. And then the uh, Pirates kneel on the ball and the game is over. So so that is how this game turned. It was that turnover early in the third quarter. And then it it really was special teams and the Pirates defense coming up with a couple of, of huge stops. So the way the cookie crumbles sometimes, a, a very valiant effort by the Panthers, but they fall on the road uh, against the Massachusetts Pirates uh, once again. The final score, 59-52. Uh, Massachusetts 2-0 with the win. The Panthers uh, fall to 1-1. One one. Uh, again, you're listening to the Bay Area Panthers pod, part of the 95-7 The Game podcast network. Mark Randy, Evan Giddings with you. Uh, the Panthers are off this week. As we mentioned at the top of the pod, they did not play week one. They played week two. Of course, the win over Arizona. They played this most recent week. It's the game we're talking about, the loss to the Pirates. They're off in week four. They do return at home week five. We'll talk about that game and, and what time and, and what day and how you can watch and listen coming up in a little bit. I do have a bit of roster news that we should get to. This isn't breaking. It did happen just before the Massachusetts game, Evan. But there's a familiar face back on the Bay Area Panthers of course, you know him as uh, the only other quarterback, the only quarterback before this year to win a game as the starting quarterback of the Bay Area Panthers. That's Corey Murphy. He is back. He got a call, what, literally the day before the game in Massachusetts, or at least the day before the team traveled out there and uh, joined the team because backup quarterback D'Angelo Fulford uh, is getting an opportunity with the XFL. The Panthers needed a quarterback and 
They go to a guy that they know well. They go to a guy that uh, offensive coordinator Dixie Wooten knows well from their time together in Tucson. Uh, I wanted to welcome back Corey Murphy to the Bay Area Panthers. I know his his tenure with Bay Area was cut short a little bit last year, um, but a, a very, very tough competitor and, and that the crazy run he had that helped the Panthers beat San Diego week one last year uh, is is you know, sticks in my memory. Uh, but welcome back to, to Corey Murphy. He looks like he's the new Panthers backup quarterback. Yeah, I think that's a decision that Darren Arbett is very comfortable with. I mean, we remember being with now head coach Arbett, formerly broadcaster last year and before the season watching their scrimmage and Corey Murphy was lighting it up and he's like, you know, this, this kid's got a pretty good arm. Like if he can reel in that accuracy, this guy could be potentially a problem in the IFL. And I know his, his time with the Barry Panthers was, was kind of cut short by injury as well as maybe some other, you know, sort of issues around him. Um, but he's, he's a great guy. Like by all accounts, he is a, a perfect teammate. I know that, um, just from reading about him and, and listening to some interviews, uh, Dave Lewis, also part of the Bay Area Panthers broadcasting crew, did a fantastic one that aired at halftime of the of the Pirates game. And it sounded like Murphy was on the verge of hanging him up. You know, he said, yeah. there's basically only one team that I wanted to play for this season if I was going to play at all. And that was the Bay Area Panthers. And so he was there at the open tryout. Uh, you know, was beat out by a couple of other signal callers. And now with Fulford moving on, Corey Murphy comes back into the fold. He resides out in Stockton. He's got a daughter. And so, you know, he's got a chance now to, in addition to his own personal business, add to his athletic career. And he, he's a he's a veteran who's been around this league, who's been around football for a long time. He has a great positive attitude. Uh, and for those of you looking for Barrier Panthers trivia night questions, who was the first Panther to score a touchdown in franchise history? It's Corey Murphy. Like he's, yeah. I, I can still remember him handing the ball off to co-owner Roy Choi at the first home game and that win against San Diego. Like he, he, he does in a way embody kind of the, the foundation of what the Panthers built in, in their, in their inaugural season. Um, and now has a chance to add some, I think, veteran experience and hopeful leadership to a group that, is not devoid of it, certainly, um, but can, can always use more. And Corey Murphy adds also a great skill set, has a great arm, um, is, is a physical runner, much like Dalton Sneed, maybe not as elusive, but more powerful. And so he can both help this team on and off the field, even if he's not starting. Yep. Well said. I'm, I'm eager to, to see him out there. Of course, hope everything's Every, hope Dalton Sneed stays healthy, but uh, yes. yeah, yeah. It, would, it, it would be fun to see uh, Corey Murphy back out there on the field again for the Bay Area Panthers, especially considering, as you mentioned, the fact that he was just about ready to hang things up and, uh, and you know, retire from his uh, professional football career. Uh, but he's back with the Bay Area Panthers. And the next time you can see him at SAP, not this coming weekend, but the weekend following week five of the IFL season, Sunday, April 16th, the Tucson Sugar Skulls are in town against the Bay Area Panthers. 7 uh, 7.05 kickoff. If you can't make it out to SAP, you can listen on 95.7 The Game. Evan Giddings, my partner here, and myself will have the call for you on 95.7 The Game. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, Dixie Wooten's former team, the Panthers offensive coordinator, the Tucson Sugar Skulls former head coach, should be a lot of fun. That is the next time you can catch your Bay Area Panthers. And if you do want to get out to SAP, which we highly recommend, a really fun environment, 
you can get your tickets at bayareapanthers.com. But that'll do it here for the Bay Area Panthers pod this time around. Evan, great catching up with you as always uh, for the pod. Really enjoy our talks here about the Bay Area, Pan- Bay Area Panthers. It was a lot of fun. Hey, as always, man. I mean, look, they got a bye week coming up early, chance to regroup, maybe heal up, and then you got two rivalry games coming up, Oof. one from each coordinator that came over from the respective oh, teams that, that we will surely get into moving down the line. Yeah, so uh, what, three of the first four games uh, against Arizona teams, the Rattlers, yes, the Wranglers, and the Sugar Skulls, huh? The, the Western wow. Conference looks pretty damn good. I mean, the Barry Panthers are right now, I guess, overall in like a five-way tie with a few other one-on-one teams. But there's a lot of talent on this side of the coast, Mark. And I know they just saw a really good team over there in Massachusetts and, and the Pirates. Um, but this is going to be a dogfight. And so at least I'm glad, even though the, the Panthers did lose in uh, in their second game, uh, that they do have still that undefeated conference record because that is what matters. Yeah, you're right. I should say in the latest uh, IFL coaches poll, the Panthers come in at number three. Uh, Frisco Mm. one, Massachusetts two, Bay Area three. The Arizona Rattlers are at number four. The Panthers' next opponent, the Sugar Skulls of Tucson, are down at number eight. So we'll keep an eye on that, how that does change after the Panthers' bye week. But again, right now the Panthers ranked number three in the latest IFL coaches poll. That'll do it here for this episode of the Bay Area Panthers pod. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back next time. As always, thanks so much for listening. The Bay Area Panthers pod, part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bay Area Panthers pod, part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 